Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the world of Percy Jackson. In this episode, we'll read chapters 19 and 20. In the previous episode, we left off on chapters 17 and 18, and must I say, it was an interesting chapter. Leo, Piper, and Jason all were traveling to Quebec, and finally they arrived in the last chapter, and they met a ice princess who Leo seemed to have automatically have a crush on. And now that the Ice Princess has now summoned both Jason and Piper. And unfortunately, Leo cannot come with the two of them because he has fire powers, as we've learned in the previous chapters. And the Ice Princess uh, says that, you know, of course, fire and ice do not mix well together. So hence, Leo must be kept outside. And also, it's the fact that Leo doesn't know how to control his powers quite yet. So it might be for the benefit of everyone. But yeah, now we will read what uh, what the conversation between Jason and King Boreas will be. Hopefully, when we read chapters 19 and 20. So without further ado, on with the show. Chapter 19, Jason. Jason didn't want to leave Leo, but he was starting to think that hanging out with Cal the hockey jock might be the least dangerous option in this place. As they climbed the icy staircase, Zethi stayed behind them, his blade drawn. The guy might have looked like a disco-era reject, but there was nothing funny about his sword. Jason figured, Jason figured one hit from that thing would probably turn him into a popsicle. Then there was the Ice Princess. Every once in a while, she'd turn and give Jason a smile, but there was no warmth in her expression. She regarded Jason like he was an especially interesting spy science specimen, one she couldn't wait to dissect. If these were Boreas's kids, Jason was sure he wanted wasn't sure he wanted to meet Daddy. Ameth had told him Boreas was the friendliest of the Wind Gods. Apparently, that meant he didn't kill heroes quite as fast as the others did. Jason worried that he'd let his friends into a trap. If things went bad, he wasn't sure if he could get them out alive. Without thinking about it, he took Piper's hand for reassurance. She raised her eyebrows, but she didn't let go. It'll be fine, she promised. Just to talk, right? At the top of the stairs, the Ice Princess looked back and noticed them holding hands. The smile failed, faded. Suddenly, Jason's hand and Piper's turned ice cold, burning cold. He let go and his fingers were smoking with frost. So were Piper's. Warmth is not a good idea here, the princess advised. Especially when I am your best chance at staying alive. Please, this way. Piper gave him a nervous frown, like, what was that about? Jason didn't have an answer. Zetis poked him in the back with his icicle sword, and they followed the princess down a massive hallway decked in frosty tapestries. Freezing winds blew back and forth, and Jason's thoughts moved almost as fast. He had a lot of time to think while they rode the dragon north, but he felt as confused as ever. Talia's picture was still in his pocket, though he didn't need to look at it anymore. Her image had burned itself into his mind. It was bad enough not remembering his past, but to know he had a sister out there somewhere who might have answers and to have no way of finding her, that just drove him up the wall. In the picture, Talia looked nothing like him. They both had blue eyes, but that was it. Her hair was black. Her complexion was more Mediterranean. Her facial features were sharper like a hawk's. Still, Talia looked so familiar. Hera had left him with just enough memory that he could be certain Talia was his sister. 
But Annabeth had acted completely surprised when he told her. Like, she'd never heard of Talia's having a brother. Did Talia even know about him? How had they been separated? Hera had taken those memories. She'd stolen everything from Jason's past, plopped them into a new life. And now she expected him to save her from some prison just so he could get back to what she'd taken. It made Jason so angry. He wanted to walk away, let Hera rot in that cage, but he couldn't. He was hooked. He had to know more, and that made him even more resentful. Hey, Piper touched his arm. You still with me? Yeah. Yeah, sorry. He was grateful for Piper. He needed a friend, and he was glad she'd started losing the Aphrodite blessing. The makeup was fading. Her hair was slowly going back to its old choppy style with the little braids down the sides. It made her look more real, and as far as Jason was concerned, more beautiful. He was sure now that they'd never known each other before the Grand Canyon. Their relationship was just a trick of the mist in the Piper's mind. But the longer he spent with her, the more he wished it had been real. Stop that, he told himself. It wasn't fair to Piper thinking that way. Jason had no idea what was waiting for him back in his old life, or who might be waiting. But he was pretty sure his past wouldn't mix with Camp Half-Blood. After this quest, who knew what would happen, assuming they even survived. At the end of the hallway, they found themselves in front of a set of oaken doors, carved with a map of the world. In each corner was a man's bearded face, blowing wind. Jason was pretty sure he'd seen maps like this before, but in this version, all the wind guys were winter, blowing ice and snow from every corner of the world. The princess turned, her brown eyes glittered, and Jason felt like he was a Christmas present she was hoping to open. This is the throne room, she said. Be on your best behavior, Jason Grace. My, my father can be chilly. I will translate for you and try to encourage him to hear you out. I do hope he spares you. We could have such fun. Jason guessed this girl's definition of fun was not the same as his. Um, okay, he managed. But really, we're just here for a little talk. We'll be leaving right afterward. The girl smiled. Oh, I love heroes. So blissfully ignorant. Piper rested her hand on her dagger. Well, how about you enlighten us? You say you're going to translate for us, and we don't even know who you are. What's your name? The girl sniffed with distaste. I suppose I shouldn't be surprised you don't recognize me. Even in the ancient times, the Greek did not know me well. Their island homes were too warm, too far from my domain. I am Keon, daughter of Boreas, goddess of snow. She stirred the air with her finger, and a miniature blizzard swirled around her, big, fluffy flakes as soft as cotton. Now come, Keon said. The oaken doors blew open, and cold blue light spilled out of the room. Hopefully you'll survive your little talk. And that's the end of chapter 19. That was a short but interesting chapter. We finally get to find out what the girl's name was within that uh within that king within that place. Uh her name is Keon, wonderful name. Uh everything else, you know, it seems that even Jason, even though he has forgotten most of his past except for knowing that Talia is 90% chance her his uh, sister other than that I feel that even though Jason may have forgotten if Piper ha and Jason had a relationship he might be starting to get real feelings for her and I totally support that and I really do hope they are able to end up together in the end 
because I am rooting for them and I really hope that they are, you know, they really do are able to confess to each other and, you know, actually start having, uh, becoming a couple as well. And, you know, as well as Leo, I hope he's able to finally control his fire powers and that later on in the book, he also is able to, uh, find out where where he wants to be and whether he actually enjoys being part of the Hephaestus cabin or not. But until then, and after the break, we will read chapter 20, Jason, and we will see how the talk with Jason goes and whether he survives talking to King Boreas, and hopefully he does. So right after the break, we'll read chapter 22, Jason. And we're back from the ads, and now we're going to read chapter 20, Jason. If the entry hall had been cold, the throne room was like a meat locker. Mist hung in the air, Jason shivered, and his breath steamed. Along the walls, purple tapestries showed scenes of snowy forests, barren mountains, and glaciers. High above, ribbons of colored light, the aurora borealis, pulsed along the ceiling. A layer of snow covered the floor, so Jason had to step carefully. All around the room stood life-size ice sculpture warriors, some in Greek armor, some medieval, some in modern camouflage, all frozen in various attack positions, swords raised, guns locked and loaded. At least Jason thought they were sculptures. Then he tried to step between two Greek spearmen, and they moved with surprising speed. Their joints cracking and spraying ice crystals as they crossed their javelins to block Jason's path. From the far end of the hall, a man's voice rang out in a language that sounded like French. The room was so long and misty, Jason couldn't see the other end. But whatever the man said, the ice guards uncrossed their javelins. It's fine, Keon said. My father has ordered them not to kill you just yet. Super. Jason said. Zedis prodded him in the back with his sword. Keep moving, Jason Jr. Please don't call me that. My father is not a patient man, Zethis warned. And the beautiful Piper, sadly, is losing her magic hairdo very fast. Later, perhaps, I can ha- lend her something from my wide assortment of hair products. Thanks, Piper grumbled. They kept walking and the mist parted to reveal a man on an ice throne. He was sturdily built, dressed in a stylish white suit that seemed woven from snow, with dark purple wings that spread out to either side. His long and shaggy hair were encrusted with icicles, so Jason couldn't tell if his hair was gray or just white with frost. His arched eyebrows made him look angry, but his eyes twinkled more warmly than his daughter's, as if he might have a sense of humor buried somewhere under that permafrost. Jason hoped. Bienvenue, the king said. Jesus Boreas Levrois et vous. Sorry about that pronunciation. Keon, the snow goddess, was about to speak, but Piper stepped forward and curtsied. Vosre majeste, she said. Jesus Piper McLean. Esses Jess Jason, fils de Zeus. The king smiled with pleasant surprise. Vous parlez français très bien. Piper, you speak French? Jason asked. Piper frowned. No. Why? You just spoke French. Piper blinked. I did? 
The kings, the kings said something else, and Piper nodded. Ooh, votre majesté. The king laughed and clapped his hands, obviously delighted. He said a few more sentences, then swept his hand toward his daughter as if shooing her away. Kion looked miffed. The king says, he says I'm a daughter of Aphrodite, Piper interrupted. So naturally I can speak French, which is the language of love. I had no idea. His majesty says Kion won't have to translate now. Behind them, Zethi snorted, and Kion shot him a murderous look. She bowed stiffly to her father and took a step back. The king sized up Jason, and Jason decided it would be a good idea to bow. Your majesty, I'm Jason Grace. Thank you for, um, not killing us. May I ask, why does a Greek god speak French? Piper had another exchange with the king. He speaks the language of his host country. Piper translated. He says all gods do this. Most Greek gods speak English as they now reside in the United States, but Boreas was never welcomed in their realm. His domain was always far to the north. These days he likes Quebec, so he speaks French. The king said something else, and Piper turned pale. The king says... He faltered. She faltered. He says... Oh, allow me, Keon said. My father says he has orders to kill you. Did I not mention that earlier? Jason tense. The king was smiling amiably like he just delivered great news. Kill us, Jason said. Why? Because, the king said in heavily accented English, my lord Aeolus has commanded it. Boreas rose. He stepped down from his throne and furled his wings against his back. As he approached, Keon and Zethus bowed. Jason and Piper followed their example. I shall deign to speak your language, Boreas said, as Piper McLean has honored me in mine. Toujours. I've had a fondness for the children of Aphrodite. As for you, Jason Grace, my master Aeolus would not expect me to kill a, lord of, a son of Lord Zeus without first hearing you out. Jason's gold coins seemed to grow heavy in his pocket. If he were forced to fight, he didn't like his chances. Two seconds at least to summon his blade, then he'd been facing a god, two of his children, and an army of freeze-dried warriors. Aeolus is the master of winds, right? Jason asked. Why would he want us dead? You are demigods, Boreas said, as if this explained everything. Aeolus's job is to contain the winds, and demigods have always asked him many headaches. They ask him for favors, they unleash winds and cause chaos, but the final insult was the battle with Typhon last summer. Boreas waved his hand and a sheet of ice like a flat screen TV appeared in the air. Images of a battle flickered across the surface, a giant wrapped in storm clouds wading across the river toward the Manhattan skyline. Tiny, glowing figures, the gods, Jason guessed, swarmed around him like angry wasps, pounding the monster with lightning and fire. Finally, the river erupted in a massive whirlpool, and the smoky forms sank beneath the waves and disappeared. The storm giant, Typhon, poor Boreas explained, the first time the gods defeated him eons ago, he did not die quietly. His death released a host of storm spirits, wild winds that answered to no one. It was Aeolus' job to track them all down and imprison them in his fortress. The other gods, they didn't help. They did not even apologize for the inconvenience. It took Aeolus centuries to track down all the storm spirits, and naturally, this irritated him. Then, last summer, Typhon was defeated again. 
and his death released another wave of venti, Jason guessed, which made Aeolus even angrier. Chevre. Boreas agreed. But your majesty, Piper said, the gods had no choice but to battle Typhon. He was going to destroy Olympus. Besides, why punish demigods for that? The king shrugged. Aeolus cannot take out his anger on the gods. They are his bosses and very powerful. So he gets even with the demigods who helped him in the war. He issued orders to us. Demigods who come to us for aid are no longer to be tolerated. We are to crush your little mortal faces. That was an uncomfortable silence. That sounds extreme, Jason ventured. But you're not going to crush our faces yet, right? You're, you're going to listen to us first, because once you hear about our quest... Yes, yes, the king agreed. You see, Aeolus also said that a son of Zeus might seek my aid, and if this happened, I should listen to you before destroying you, as you might. How did he put it? Make all of our lives very interesting. I'm only obligated to listen, however. After that, I am free to pass judgment as I see fit. But I will listen first. Keon wishes this also. It may be that we will not kill you. Jason felt like he could almost breathe again. Great, thanks. Do not thank me, Boreas smiled. There are many ways you can make our lives interesting. Sometimes we can keep demigods for our amusement, you can see. He gestured around the room to the various ice statues. Piper made a strangled noise. Y you mean they're all demigods? Frozen demigods? They're alive? An interesting question, Boreas conceded, as if it had never occurred to him before. They do not move unless they are obe obeying my orders. The rest of the time, they are merely frozen. Unless they were to melt, I suppose, which would be very messy. Keon stepped behind Jason and put her cold fingers on his neck. My father gives me lovely presents, she murmured in his ear. Join our court. Perhaps I'll let your friends go. What? Zethi's broken. If Keon gets this one, then I deserve the girl. Keon always gets more presents. Now, children, Boreas said sternly, our guests will think you are spoiled. Besides, you move too fast. We have not even heard the demigod's story yet. Then we will decide what to do with them. Please, Jason Grace, entertain us. Jason felt his brain shutting down. He didn't look at Piper for fear. He'd completely lose it. He'd gotten them into this, and now they're going to die, or worse, there were going to be amusements for Boreas' children and end up frozen forever in this throne room, slowly corroding from freezer burn. Keon purred and stroked his neck. Jason didn't plan it, but electricity sparked along his skin. There's a loud pop, and Keon flew backwards, skidding across the floor. Zethys laughed. <laughs> that is good, I'm glad you did that even though I have to kill you now. For a moment, Keon was too stunned to react, then the air around her began to swirl with the micro-blizzard. You dare. Stop, Jason ordered, with as much force as he could muster. You're not going to kill us, and you're not going to keep us. We're on a quest for the Queen of the Gods herself, so unless you want Hera busting down your doors, you're going to let us go. He sounded a lot more confident than he felt, but it got their attention. Keon's blizzard swirled to a stop. Zethys lowered his sword. They both looked uncertainly at, his, at their father. Hmm, Boreas said. His eyes twinkled, but Jason couldn't tell if it was with anger or amusement. A son of Zeus favored by Hera. This is definitely a first. Tell us your story. Jason would have botched it right there. He hadn't been expecting to get the chance to talk, and now that he could, his voice abandoned him. 
Piper saved him. Your Majesty, she curtsied again with an incredible poise. Considering her life was on the line, she told Boreas the whole story, from the Grand Canyon to the prophecy, much better and faster than Jason could have. All we ask is for guidance, Piper concluded. These storm spirits attacked us, and they're working for some evil mistress. If we find them, maybe we can find Hera. The king stroked the icicles in his beard. Out the windows, night had fallen, and the only light came from the aurora borealis overhead, washing everything in red and blue. I know of these storm spirits, Boreas said. I know where they are kept, and of the prisoner they took. You mean Coach Hedge? Jason asked, he's alive? Boreas waved aside the question. For now, but the one who controls these storm winds. It would be madness to oppose her. You would be better staying here as frozen statues. Hera's in trouble, Jason said. I'm three days. In three days, she's going to be, I don't know, consumed, destroyed, something. And a giant is going to rise. Yes, Boreas agreed. Was it Jason's imagination, or did he shoot Keon an angry look? Many horrible things are waking. Even my children do not tell me all the news they should. The great stirring of monsters that began with Kronos. Your father, Zeus, foolishly believed it would end when the Titans were defeated. But just as it was before, so it is now. The final battle is yet to come, and the one who will wake is more terrible than any Titan. Storm spirits, these are the only beginning. The earth has many horrors to yield up. When monsters no longer stay in Tartarus and souls are no longer confined to Hades, Olympus has good reason to fear. Jason wasn't sure what all this meant, but he didn't like the way Keon was smiling. Like, this was our definition of fun. So you'll help us? Jason asked the king. Boreas scowled. I did not say that. Please, your majesty, Piper said. Everyone's eyes turned toward her. She had to be scared out of her mind, but she looked beautiful and confident and had nothing to do with the blessing of Aphrodite. She looked herself again in day-old traveling clothes with choppy hair and no makeup, but she almost glowed with warmth in that cold throne room. If you tell us where the storm spirits are, we can capture them and bring them to Aeolus. You'd look good in front of your boss. Aeolus might pardon us and the other demigods. We could even rescue Gleason Hedge. Everyone wins. She's pretty, Zethes mumbled. I mean, she's right. Father, don't listen to her, Keon said. She's a child, Aphrodite. She dares to charm speak a god. Freeze her now. Boreas considered this. Jason slipped his hand into his pocket and got ready to bring out the gold coin. If thing, things went wrong, he'd have to move fast. The movement caught Boreas's eye. What is that on your forearm, demigod? Jason hadn't realized his coat sleeve had gone pushed up, revealing the edge of his tattoo. Reluctantly, he showed Boreas his marks. The god's eyes widened. Keon actually hissed and stepped away. Then Boreas did something unexpected. He laughed so loudly, an icicle cracked from the ceiling and crashed next to his throne. The god's form began to flicker. His beard disappeared. He grew taller and thinner, and his clothes changed into a Roman toga lined with purple. His head was crowned with a frosty laurel wreath and a gladius, a Roman sword like Jason's, hung at his side. Achilon, Jason said, though he had, though he, where he got the Ro- god's Roman name from, he had no idea. The god, god inclined his head. You 
recognize me better in this form? Yes, and yet you said you came from Camp Half-Blood? Jason shifted his feet. Uh, yes, your majesty. And Hera sent you there. The Winter God's eyes were full of mirth. I understand now. Oh, she plays a dangerous game. Bold, but dangerous. No wonder Olympus is closed. They must be trembling at the gamble she has taken. Jason, Piper said nervously, why did Boreas change shape? The toga, the wreath, what's going on? It's his Roman form, Jason said. But what's going on? I don't know. The god laughed. No, I'm sure you don't. This should be very interesting to watch. Does that mean you'll let us go? Piper asked. My dear, Boreas said. There is no reason for me to kill you. If Hera's plans fails, which I think it will, you will tear each other apart. Aeolus will never have to worry about demigods again. Jason felt as if Keon's cold fingers were on his neck again. But it wasn't her. It was just a feeling that Boreas was right. That sense of wrongness which had bothered Jason since he got to Camp Half-Blood, and Chiron's comment about his arrival being disastrous, Boreas knew what they meant. I don't suppose you could explain? Jason asked. Oh, perish the thought. It is not for me to interfere in Kara's plan. No wonder she took your memory. Boreas chuckled, apparently still having a great time imagining demigods tearing each other apart. You know, I have a reputation as a helpful wind god, unlike my brethren. I've been known to fall in love with mortals. Why, my sons Zetis and Callias started as demigods. Which explains why they're idiots. Keon growled. Stop it! Zeti snapped back. Just because you were born a full goddess, both of you freeze, Boreas ordered. Apparently, that ward carried a lot of weight in the household, because the two siblings went absolutely still. Now, as I was, I was saying, I have a good reputation, but it is rare that Boreas plays an important role in the affairs of gods. <clears throat> I sit here in my palace at the edge of civilization and so rarely have amusement. Why, even that fool notice the south wind gets spring break in Cancun. What do I get? A winter festival with naked Quebecois rolling around in the snow. I like the winter festival, Zetis muttered. My point, Boreas snapped, is that now I now have a chance to be the center. Oh yes, I will let you go on this quest. You will find your storm spirits in the windy city, of course. Chicago. Father! Kion protested. Boreas ignored his daughter. If you can capture the winds, you may be able to gain safe entrance to the court of Aeolus. If, by some miracle, you succeed, be sure to tell him you capture the winds on my orders. Okay, sure, Jason said. So Chicago's world will find this lady who's controlling the winds? She's the one who's trapped Hera? Ah, Boreas grinned. Those are two different questions, son of Jupiter. Jupiter, Jason noticed. Before, he called me son of Zeus. The one who controls the winds, Boreas continued. Yes, you will find her in Chicago. But she is only a servant. A servant who is very likely to destroy you. If you succeed against her and take the winds, then you may go to Aeolus. Only he has knowledge of all the winds on the earth. All secrets come to his for fortress eventually. If anyone can tell you where Hera is imprisoned, it is Aeolus. As for you, will meet when you finally find Hera's cage. Truly, 
If I told you that, you would beg me to freeze you. Father, Kion protested. You can't simply let them. I can do what I like, he said, his voice hardening. I am still master here, am I not? The way Boreas glared at his daughter, it was obvious they had some ongoing argument. Kion's eyes flashed with anger, but she clenched her teeth. As you wish, father. Now go, demigods, Boreas said, before I change my mind. Zetis escort them out safely. They all bowed and the god of the north wind dissolved into mist. Back in the entry hall, Cal and Leo were waiting for them. Leo looked cold but unharmed. He'd even gotten cleaned up and his clothes looked newly washed like he'd used the hotel's valet service. Festus, the dragon, was back in normal form, snorting fire over his scales to keep himself defrosted. As Keon led them down the stairs, Jason noticed that Leo's eyes followed her. Leo started combing his hair back with his hands. Uh-oh, Jason thought. He made a mental note to warn Leo about the snow goddess later. She was not someone to get a crush on. <clears throat> At the bottom step, Keon turned to Piper. You have fooled my father, girl, but you have not fooled me. We are not done. And you, Jason Grace, I will see you as a statue in the throne room soon enough. Boris is right, Jason said. You're a spoiled kid. See you around, Ice Princess. <clears throat> Keon's eyes flared pure white. For once, she seemed at a loss for words. She stormed back up the stairs. Literally. Halfway up, she turned into a blizzard and disappeared. Be careful, Zethi's warned. She never forgets an insult. Cal grunted in agreement. Bad sister. She's the goddess of snow, Jason said. What's, what's she going to do, throw snowballs at us? But as he said it, Jason had a feeling Keon could do a lot, whole lot worse. Leo looked devastated. What happened up there? You made her mad? Is she mad at me too? Guys, that was my prom date. <clears throat> we'll explain later. <clears throat> Piper promised, <clears throat> but when she glanced at Jason, he realized she expected him to explain. What had happened up there? Jason wasn't sure. Boreas had turned into Achilon, his Roman form, as if <clears throat> Jason's presence caused him to go schizophrenic. <clears throat> the idea that Jason <clears throat> had been sent to Camp Half-Blood seemed to amuse the god, but Boreas slash Achilon hadn't let them go out of kindness. Cruel excitement had danced in his eyes as if he'd just placed a bet on a hot dog fight. You will tear each other apart, he said with delight. Aeolus will never have to worry about demigods again. Jason looked away from Piper, trying not to show how unnerved he was. Yeah, he agreed. We'll explain later. Be careful, pretty girl, Zethi said. The winds between here and Chicago are bad-tempered. Many other thing, evil things are stirring. I'm sorry you will not be staying. You would make a lovely ice statue in which I could check my reflection. Thanks, Piper said, but I'd sooner play hockey with Cal. Hockey? Cal's eyes lit up. Joking, Piper said. And the storm winds aren't our worst problem, are they? Oh no, Zetis agreed. Something else. Something worse. Worse, Cal echoed. Can you tell me? Piper gave them a smile. This time, the charm didn't work. The purple-winged Boreads shook their heads in unison. The hangar doors opened onto a freezing starry night, and Festus the dragon stomped his feet, anxious to fly. Ask Aeolus what is wrong, 
Zeti said darkly. He knows. Good luck. He almost sounded like he cared what happened to them. Even though a few minutes ago, he wanted to make Piper into an ice sculpture. Cal patted Leo on the shoulder. Don't get destroyed, he said, which was probably the longest sentence he'd ever attempted. Next time, hockey. Pizza. Come on, guys, Jason stared out of the dark. He was anxious to get out of that cold penthouse, but he had a feeling it was the most hospital place they'd see for a while. Let's go, let's go to Chicago and try not to get destroyed. And that's the end of chapter 20. That was a very long but very surprising chapter. I do apologize for my pronunciation of French. I am not very well acquainted with that language, so I really do apologize with my pronunciations for that language. I hope you all can forgive me on that. I will also try to improve on when reading um, ahead and trying to skim over uh, future chapters. I will try my best to still improve on my pronunciation. And yeah, I would also like to thank you all for support, for the support and giving me feedback and comments. I really do listen to them and I really appreciate all of the um, guys you write, all the things you guys write for me. So thank you very much for that. And now, without further ado, we'll read chapter 21, a little bit of it, Piper. Piper didn't relax until the glow of Quebec City faded behind them. You were amazing, Jason told her. The compliment should have made her day. But all she could think of about was the trouble ahead. Evil things are stirring, Zethis had warned them. She knew that firsthand. The closer they got to the solstice, the less time Piper had to make her decision. And that's all I'm going to read for chapter 21. It seems it's going to be pretty climatic when we reach chapter 21. And I really do wonder if Piper is going to decide to betray her entire camp because of her father. Or if, you know, she decides to do the right thing and be a hero and somehow end up saving both her dad and the camp. But we'll have to see when we read the future chapters Next week, we will read chapter 21 to 22. And until then, guys, stay safe and stay out of boredom.